Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network in conjunction with the Sampson Family Foundation, striving to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. Now here's Ralph and your host, Mac McDonald. Welcome in Center Court, Winner's Circle Network for another week. And uh, Ralph, got a, a great show today. Kerry Eggers is going to join us, who is an author, has written a book about Jerome Kersey from Longwood. We'll uh, we'll get into that. Ron Brown also has been a uh, working for the state for a lot of years and a graduate will join us. He helped with a book with Hope Curry, he used to be at Longwood. So uh, looking forward to that. Before I say anything, your TV time now, you're getting a lot of TV time, boss. You know, you're getting a lot of, lot of people. I think your initiative now, not only with a restaurant, and I was, it was just great to see. Yeah, with you talking about bridging gaps and bridging the city. Ralph, that's a great initiative, partner. I just want to congratulate you on that. Yeah, thanks. It's the one of those situations where, you, you know, it kind of just failed, came from the heart. We had about 200 and some people out uh, at the ribbon cutting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, from the mayor of Charlottesville to Tony Elliott, the football coach, to the basketball team, to some football players, to some tennis players, it was a great event. And then I just kind of go from the heart as I normally do. And I could see the difference between the current players. I mean, Mac Lewis Collins came back. Oh, my roommate. goodness. Yeah. And so he yeah. was there and uh, Barry Word and those guys came Isn't back as great? well. I had baseball players come back. It was crazy. So you can see the gap in between because some guys didn't know some guys. And and so they, they had a great time doing that. So it was fun and fun event. It was a long weekend, but we got through it. Yeah, I saw your little uh, backup point guard with the scissors right next to you. Ricky exactly. Stokes. I knew I had to put him and him Bobby beside me. Yeah. <laughs> always, Rick's my guy. Ricky was always looking for the assist. So Rick's I, always, <laughs> always my guy. Yes. Um, how are things with the restaurant? Well, I'll lead you right into that. How are things with the restaurant? And uh, are you learning a little bit every day about restaurant? Yeah, restaurant has so many tentacles. So it's more than a restaurant. I think everybody's beginning to feel that and see that. Yeah. Uh, it's not a sports bar per se. But it's got kind of, I think it's very classy. It's a little bit higher end. And we got some kinks to work out, which which we're getting to work out. We don't have enough employees yet to, to get it done and open for the lunches, but we open up in a couple of weeks for that. But the dinner's been really good. The response has been amazing. Um, you know, I'm there pretty much every day. And Mike, I, I got a I got a Google thing out there from mm-hmm. somebody that says, Oh, the restaurant was great, but I'm mad because Ralph didn't stop by our table. Now I go by every <laughs> table when I'm there, and I'll say I missed somebody that Googled me and said and Google and put a Google review and said, "Oh, we, yeah, yeah we, we don't like because he didn't stop by our table." I'm like, okay, I'm, I got to walk by every table and say hello and take pictures, which is fun, but sometimes I need to sit down too. So no, it's kind of I get how, you. It how about that? A, a review on Google saying, "Well, yeah, review." I'm the like, food I was I good. Google but... review now. I'm like, okay, I didn't, I'm not used to that. Uh, really good show today with uh, Carrie Agers, who wrote a book about Jerome Kersey, who played at Longwood, played with the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, what do you remember about Jerome, Ralph? Uh, I'm sure this will be a great interview, but Jerome just a great guy. I mean, you know, it's sweetheart of a guy, hard worker, you know, developed his game to a high level from Longwood College and made it to the NBA. You know, left's gone too soon, but a great, great human being that this country misses for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Kerry Eggers will join us. Ron Brown also, who helped uh, write the book with Kerry. And we will do all of that when we return. This is Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network. 
A bold new experience is coming to Charlottesville. Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson is opening the American Tap Room. It's an upscale sports bar brought to you by the basketball legend himself. Ralph Sampson's American Tap Room has been built in the spirit of competition with everything from burgers and wings to premium steaks and seafood. The Tap Room also features a special Ralph's House IPA made by the Three Knots Brewing Company. With a grand opening just a couple weeks away, now is your chance to join Ralph's team and get in on the ground floor of the American Tap Room launch. Whether you're traveling for the game and looking for that special pregame meal or meeting that important client, Ralph's American Tap Room is in a terrific location in Barracks Road off of Emmett Street. Discover Hall of Fame greatness. Log on to americantaproom.com. I always enjoyed writing, and I've always enjoyed sports. And uh, you know, you, you take it as a uh, you, when, when you go into it, it's it doesn't feel. I I, I used to tell people uh, it's better than working for a living. Uh, also, I was doing a thing that I loved, and there probably aren't too many people that get to do that. So I feel blessed that I was able to do it as long as I as I did. This is Center Court, presented by the Winner's Circle Network in association with the Sampson Family Foundation. Welcome in Center Court Winter Circle Network. I'm Mac McDonald and he is Ralph Sampson. And Ralph, we're going to go down your memory lane a little bit and talk some NBA today with a, just an outstanding longtime sports writer and uh, a guy from the state of Virginia who who knows uh, knows you pretty well. So anyway, uh-huh. we, we, we welcome Kerry Eggers with us. Uh, Kerry has a, a book out, which we'll uh, get into. It uh, was released this fall about Jerome Kersey, who played at Longwood, and Ron Brown is with us. Ron was a graduate of Longwood. He's doing a lot of podcasts and stuff still with, with Longwood, and he served our state government for about 30, a <clears throat> uh, few years. And yeah. uh, so Ron and Kerry, welcome to Center Court. We appreciate having you guys. Thank you. Thanks, Mac. Your relationship with Jerome Kersey must have been pretty special, huh? Which gave you the, the idea to do the book? Well, I, I, I don't like to misrepresent it. I mean, we, we, he, I was a writer. He was a player, and I covered him through a lot of his career in Portland. Uh, but uh, you know, I did have a good relationship with Jerome. In fact, I tell people he's only, through 45 years of newspaper writing, he's the only professional athlete I ever invited over to dinner to my house. My, mm-hmm. I had three, three young kids, and they, were, they idolized Jerome. And I, I can't remember exactly how it happened, but he brought – his then fiance and one-year-old daughter over to our house for dinner. And my kids still remember it today. Wow. What do you have? What do you have for dinner? Cause I'm not sure. It was there. I mean, I have to think of the, well, what that was my ex-wife making the dinner, Ralph. So I can't. Oh, okay. <laughs> that works. Right. We won't go that road. X, I get it. But dinner must've been good. Carry the Portland scene and the sports scene. And man, you go really deep into the NBA and all the things that happened in Portland and, uh, you know, in preparing for this, and and we all, I think, remember that 1990 team. Of course, Jerome is a big part of that. But let's let's dive into his Longwood history first with uh, with you and Ron. I take it you found out that Jerome meant a lot to the Virginia area. He was from Clarksville, but also meant a lot to Longwood, didn't he? Yeah, I made a trip back there, uh, Mac, to, for three days, and, and Ron actually showed me around a little bit, and we talk to I talked to a lot of people and you bet he is his the, the memories of him will never die it seems to yeah. me he's uh if there's a more prestigious graduate of Longwood Ron tell me I, I'm not sure there is he's uh he's really still considered uh you know gold around there 
I, I think you're exactly right, especially mm-hmm. since the school's only been co-ed since 76. I mean, you know, he, he finished up in 84. So, yeah, you're exactly right, Kerry. So, Kerry, when you went back then, and I think you spent four or five days there and, and working on the book with, uh, you know, with Jerome and what he meant to the Portland area, what did you discover then in talking to all the people? There probably weren't any harsh words about uh, Jerome. Well, you know, I'm asked that question a lot, Mac, and, and what I, my answer is I didn't learn a lot that I didn't know. I mean, he, is, hmm. he was an open book. He was a guy that was a great uh, communicator with people. Uh, he he made his mark in, in Virginia through his college years. And then he made his mark in Portland from 1984 till his death in 2015. The people in Portland, I, I think you could make a case that he's the most popular trailblazer of all time. Part of that is the style that he played and the teams that he played on. But mm-hmm. the other part of it was he, he made a it, Portland his home and, and was a member of the community and did so many things and, and was welcoming to people that, uh, you know, he, he is a very popular figure in Portland. Yeah, Mac, I mean, we obviously had the chance to play against him uh, in his Portland days, but mm. I mean, he wasn't the Clyde Drexler Flash and Duncan like Clyde. He wasn't the Kevin Duckworth. He wasn't the Buck, they had Buck Williams on that team, but but he played hard. Not, I mean, I'm talking about, I mean, they hated Rodney McCray and the team hated to play against him because he could shoot the ball, <laughs> he could run, and he was going to hit you in the chest if he had the opportunity on the court. <laughs> and I think he was the same way because I went there a couple of times, the same way off the court as well when it came to the community as well. It was. I mean, he never Longwood, but he, he was a great, great guy for sure. You're right about his work ethic. I mean, I think that was the common denominator, Ralph, in his days, actually even starting in high school in Clarksville and then in Farmville when he was a great college player. And it's certainly in the pros. He worked, I, I had uh, lunch with Jeff Petrie, who was, uh, you know, yep, the general yep, manager yep. of the Kings and the Blazers. And, and he said that he worked with Rick and Rick Adelman and, and, and Jeff worked with Terry Porter and Jerome. Yep, Pierce, yep, several, yep. Some, he's never had a harder working guy than either of those guys. No, no, no. I mean, well, Porter as well, one of those guys that the gentleman, I mean, he wasn't a great player, but he was a great guard. He got the ball where it needed to go. He got some shooters. He can knock down the three if he needed to. And he got kept the team together. So, I mean, and it's crazy because, you know, Kevin Duckworth passed away a number of years ago as well, right? And John were, so it's like, I don't know if there was something in the water there, but uh, it's two great lost, guys that, that we, we don't lost have. Cliff Robinson too, Ralph. Oh, yeah. And Cliff, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about Cliff. I mean, Cliff was another guy. Well, I have a question for the three of you then, and, and somebody has to tell me why on earth did Virginia not recruit him, Ralph? That was, I mean, where where was UVA and Odom and 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 Larinaga and Little Pet? Where were they? I got to scratch my head on that one, Mike. I don't know. <laughs> Ron, do you have any idea? Well, I'll I'll throw it out, and then Kerry can can back me up. Well, he was a basically a six three or six four do it all type player in high school. He really didn't have a quote position in high school mm-hmm. but he did so many things well and then um, when he came to Longwood basically from when he graduated as a senior and showed up to Longwood as a as a freshman he grew like three or four inches so he was still a developing physical specimen I, I mean a late bloomer for sure but I mean I mean I don't know if they had even a weight room at Longwood at that point in time right from that standpoint <laughs> I mean we, we had a little bit of weight room at UVA but his body matured his mind obviously mature and I'm sure whoever had coaching uh, maybe the player development coach or coach there took him under his wing. Right. And, and made him participate every day in some type of activity. Now there were no rules, Mac, obviously how long you could practice and, and stay on the court as well. But right. I mean, somebody took him there and made him a, a great player yeah. in person. 
Cal Luther, his coach at Longwood, talks about how diligent Jerome was in the weight room. So he took advantage. There weren't many weights like there are now, but, but he took advantage of it. Well, some of the numbers in this book, we're going to really take a deep dive into the book too. And from a, you know, to have uh, Carrie Agers with us, who has written eight books and really has covered the the great Northwest probably better than anybody as a, as a writer and the, the civil war book with Oregon and Oregon state, which was just, it was awesome. But when you look at, he was a two-time all American Ralph, but uh I'm going to put in a call to Dave Odom this week. I'm going to find out. (laughs) You missed one, coach. You missed one. (laughs) Got to find out, uh, you know, what happened. So, Kerry, as you're you're going through the book and just – I think I read where you had never written a book about somebody who had passed away, and that has to be a difficult thing to do. It was. It made it the hardest book that I've done, Mac. But I I have to say that uh, uh, Hope Curry was a sports information director uh, at Longwood during the years that Jerome Mm -hmm. was there, had started a book. And so he, in 1998, he did extensive interviewing with Jerome. And I used a lot of that in the book. It was great. So I was covered there. And then I, from 1998 till the time that he passed in 2015, I had to rely on friends, teammates, his wife, uh, you know, family, that type of thing to, to tell the story. 0.2 seconds left, third quarter. Kersey. Blair Rasmussen can follow, and Kersey taps to Drexler, and here's Porter. Jerome, acrobatic shot and basket. The Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation present Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball star Ralph Sampson. Again, here's Ralph and Mac. Welcome back, Center Court, Winter Circle Network. A couple of great guests today. Ron Brown is with us from the state of Virginia. Formerly, uh, he went to Longwood, is do- doing a lot of work with Longwood and, and podcasts and uh, served our Commonwealth for uh, 31 years. So, And then Kerry Eggers with us, one of the great writers that uh, has been around for Carrie, you're, you're kind of a legend. That means you're old and you are certainly not old, but with your, your books, not only with the Jerome Kersey book, which by the way, we'll plug, it's called Overcoming the Odds, How Jerome Kersey Blazed a Trail from Virginia to the NBA. In, in staying with the book, Carrie, the, the humble roots from Clarksville, how tough was it for Jerome Kersey to grow up? Now, because his grandparents raised him, correct? Correct. Yes. His mother had him went out of wedlock at 18, uh, basically turned him over to her parents who did a tremendous job, May and, and Herman. They already had seven kids, Mac, and mm-hmm. he basically became their eighth kid. And, uh, but it, it was a blessing because, uh, you know, he, he, he had a, a loving family that way. Uh, I grew up in, like you said, humble beginnings. They didn't have a whole lot of money, but they got through it. And I think he developed a sense of, uh, you know, the work ethic developed right from that start from his parents because they would certainly showed it to him. Well, he probably had some uh, older brothers and siblings that were, you know, uncles and aunts, whatever, to beat his tail every day. So, uh, you know, you go, you go to go to the food and meal table with eight kids, you got to you got to get it in for sure. But I, I mean, I do some of those stories because one of my cousins went to Longwood with Jerome, and uh, he, he always told her some of those stories. That I could just kind of, as you said, that I kind of remember that as well. But great, great family and background that that uh, that raised him for sure. Did Portland try to develop him? In other words, say, hey, we want you maybe to go to Europe for a while before you did. He, did he play right away with Portland? Did he step oh, right into the Portland? There's a story uh, in the book, Mac, where uh-huh. he actually did real well in their summer camp. But the, yep. you know, he was a second round pick. And not just a second round pick, he was the fifth player they took in the draft. 
So oh, okay. it wasn't like he went in as a big name, but he played well. And Rick Adelman was assistant then. Jack Ramsey was a the coach. They took him aside at the end of the t- summer camp and they said, Jerome, you did really well. You're a good player. Uh, we'd like you to go to Europe for a year or two, get some seasoning. We hit, we'll retain the rights to you. We'll bring you back in a couple of years. So he goes home that summer, Cal Luther, he tell, he says, coach, I thought I did really well. What should I do? Uh, should I go to Europe? Uh, and he says, he's, Cal told him, he says, Jerome, I believe in you. You believe in yourself. Work your butt off this summer. Go back there and show me you can make the team. And he did. He started out as a 12th man the first year, but almost immediately he got into the rotation. And then by his third year, he was a starter. Yeah, Mac, he would have went back to training camp for the summer. Normally, it's kind of how it went, uh-huh. right? Training uh-huh. camp, summer play. There wasn't much summer league like it is now. No. You would go to L.A. and play, you know, in a pickup game. But he went back. He worked, he must have worked hard in between there. And he goes back to training camp. And they obviously showed them what he could do. And, and he stayed with the team, obviously. I take it you played against him at some point. You were talking about it. You probably had several games. Did he chat with you about the state of Virginia or – I don't care who you are. You you know we're gonna kick your butt today. <laughs> no, go- you know, Mac. When, when you know, in the early days before when Jack Ramsey, one of the greatest coaches in NBA history, and then Rick Adelman that took over. You understand they they before Jerome got there, they had Clyde Drexler, mm-hmm. they had Terry Porter, they had Kevin Duckworth, they had Buck Williams. I yeah, mean, they, they had a squad that you know should have won an NBA championship like four or five times, but they never could get over the hump. So Jerome was that guy that I, you know, like Kevin Porter, that held the glue together to the team because you know Clyde needed a ball. Duckworth was a big human; he wanted the ball in the low post. Buck Williams, you know, just got the rebounds, and then Jerome and Buck kind of played, you know, with each other or for each other, or you know, substitution as well. But after you know you, the games or especially in that era, we could go out to dinner a little bit. So we all would do that, go out there. And we talk a little bit noise at that point in time. And then mm-hmm. summertime, we would see each other at certain events, you know, across, across the league or, you know, across after we retired as well. So got to know him a lot better off the court than on the court. Reminded of a story, Mac, with, mm-hmm. what Ralph was saying, that Buck Williams told me in interviewing for the book. He said, you know, uh, we had Terry Porter, we had Clyde Drexler and Kevin Duckworth. Those were the guys that got the shots. They never ran the offense for us. They said, Buck and Jerome, you guys go stand on the other side. And get They're the rebound. Shoot. And get the you rebound. You go in and rebound. That's right. And play, de- and, play de- and play defense. You got to play defense on the toughest guy because you got the power forward. Right. At that point in time, you know, that, I mean, Buck Williams, that played against him in college and in the NBA, but he would guard me or Keen. And then, and then uh, Jerome would come in, had to guard the, you know, be the next man up and guard that same, same guy. So carry and run, there's no doubt. Jerome was just a special guy, right? I mean, somebody that people enjoyed being around, right? As a player on the court, off the court, he just seemed like a very special guy. Yeah, he was. um, And it made no difference what uh, race you were, where you came from. He, uh, as as Carrie will tell you, he had best friends all over the country. um, And uh, he made you feel like you were his best friend when, Mm -hmm. when you were around him. Yeah, in interviewing for the book, Mac, I had at least five or six people tell me he, I was their best, his best friend. He was mine. And, of course, that can't work. But you're right. <laughs> that, it has to work. It has to work. That's the way that he, you know, related to people. He was really a relatable, humble person. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that people liked him so much. He just And, and the other word that I, I ran into time and time again was kindness. Uh, he, he I can give you a couple of examples. Uh, he... Uh, he was the best person 
uh, Tracy Rose, who was a community relations director for 25 years, said the two greatest people she had with, for community service were Terry Porter and Jerome Kersey. Exactly, mm -hmm. uh, guarantee you. One time that uh, one time uh, he was in a, a grocery store. It was during the 90, 1990 playoffs, and he ran into a woman who talked started talking to him about this young boy who was very ill. It was a big fan. Said, "Is there any way that you could give him an autograph picture or something?" So he called the next morning after practice. He called Tracy in the office. He said, "Tracy, I'm down at the in the parking lot. Could you bring a couple of things, some a, a, a basketball uh, sign and, and some stuff?" So she goes downstairs. She looks out in the parking lot. And there are five cars parked there. Clyde Drexler in one, Buck Williams in one, Kevin Duckworth in one, Terry Porter in one, and, and Jerome Kersey in one. He had called all these guys, gotten them together. All five of them drove to the hospital and saw that kid. How about right. that? So one other story. Uh, he. Uh, That's a great story. In the latter years, Mac, when, when he was a director of player relate, a director of alumni relations, he was an ambassador for the team. So he would go up to the suites during the game at Moda Center and, and visit with, you know, season ticket holders and so on. And he yeah. noticed that the food in the suites at the end, there was a lot of food left. And he asked one of the workers, where does that food go? And they said, we just throw it away. So he began and he did this for about a year and a half, two years, according to his wife. He, he, he would gather the food drive down to Old Town and, and distribute it to the homeless. You know, and <laughs> wow. he didn't want any publicity. This came out after he, he died, that he was doing this. So this was just something that he did out of the goodness of his heart. Wow. Right. That type of guy, for sure. And, and Ron, I'm guessing you started to see that at Longwood, right? I mean, he was probably pretty accessible yeah. in the college atmosphere. Yeah, you know, I wasn't a real close friend of Jerome's um, while I was in, you know, in, at Longwood. Um, I knew him. I worked in the sports information office for three years, so I knew him as a student athlete and, you know, worked uh, a lot of the games that, that he played in. But I that part of him, I found out more you know, from what Carrie had written and the interviews and, and, and being around the book project. Mm -hmm. So I sort of saw him as a, like I said, a basketball player. And then I got to know him, unfortunately, too late after he was, he, after he is gone is more the person, Jerome. Uh, Carrie, I'm sure. And a lot of the stuff that I've read too, that you were, uh, you've just been one of the, the, the best for the, the Northwest area, the Portland area. And did you ever have to write harsh words about Jerome Kersey. Now I know <laughs> you, you've got that responsibility. You're having the guy over for dinner. My family had Ralph over for dinner. My family had Tim Duncan for dinner, you know, and I'm the radio guy representing a school. It's different. You know, did you, did you ever have to pen? Uh, he did not hustle, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, did you ever have to pen a, a bad word about Jerome Kersey? Didn't have to write about hustle, but there, yes, there are times when you're harsh. You know what? One of the things he did a lot, and Ralph, you might remember, he missed dunks. Now, he's a good dunker, but he <laughs> missed a lot of dunks that would go off the, the rim and go to half court. And I think I made fun of it. But yes, there were a couple of times. Now, what I'll say about Jerome was he was one of the few guys that actually read the paper. So he'd come back to me the next day. The other guys never even knew about it unless somebody told him. Well, you know, so he had to complete with Clyde Drexler, one of the best dunkers in the NBA, you know, college NBA history, right? So Clyde could glide through the air and dunk. And Jerome tried to do the same thing, but he hadn't, he didn't have the glide that Clyde had, right? So it was totally different, uh, you know, across the board. But uh, he he missed a lot of, yeah, dunks. They would go back to, I remember, go back to half court. That's right. Uh, you know, especially in some crucial games. And he's trying to dunk hard and be tough and go down there really hard and miss a dunk, go off the rim. I mean, but. Mac, they would not just hit the front of them. They hit the back of the rim and bounce <laughs> way back to half court. That's right. 
I was watching some highlights uh, today of just, you know, just uh, he, you're right. He was a vicious offensive player, you know, and nobody, and I didn't like any, like anybody wanted to get in his way. I mean, he, right. he was uh, that kind of player. I can't wait till next segment. Cause I, I don't want Kerry or Ron to get away until we talk about Clyde, because I know Kerry wrote a book about Drexler. Virginia faced him a couple times. I don't think I've ever seen a college player, and then and a professional player as smooth. And that's why, you know, the glide was, was the, uh, was his moniker. I mean, <clears throat> what a player. And for, so they meshed Kerry. So what you're saying is that Portland team with those guys and those personalities, they meshed, didn't they? Yeah. And Ralph was right. They should have won at least a couple of titles. The best team they had was the 90 91 team. When they brought Danny Ainge in Cliffwood Robinson was a second year guy. Both of those guys coming off the bench. I mean, they were really loaded. They went 63 and 19, best record in the league, and lost in the conference finals to the Lakers. Uh, and and I really think they'd have won, even though they'd have played the Bulls the next next round. I think they'd have won that. So it it was a group that was very close together. Most of them lived in Portland area for a long time. Even Clyde stayed, in, even when he moved to uh, to, to the Rockets, he, he stayed in Portland for a long time. It was a cl very close group. Good stuff. Yeah, it, 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 I mean, I can recall that year. Everybody wanted the Portland and Clyde and Michael to go against each other. That had been a crazy uh, NBA Finals at that point in time. As well. Yeah, and it did happen the next uh, the next year in '92. Yeah. yeah, right. Small town, raised by his grandparents. Uh, you know, didn't have a lot of money. You know, was a late bloomer physically. Not recruited by anybody. Got one scholarship offer, Division Three, then Longwood College, and wound up playing 17 years in the NBA. Uh, to, to, you know, the, one of the key forces for those two teams that made the finals of the Blazers in the early 90s. All those things, I think, uh, made a pretty compelling story. Building a game plan for life. It's basketball and beyond. We return to Center Court with Hall of Famer Ralph Sampson. Welcome back, Center Court, Winter Circle Network. Our guest, Kerry Eggers, uh, an outstanding writer, covered the Portland area for a long time in Oregon and uh, Oregon State. Ron Brown with us, who served the Commonwealth and was a Longwood graduate. We were talking about Jerome Kersey. And Kerry, I did want to dive into the Clyde book as well, uh, My Life in Basketball. As I said, Ralph, we saw Drexler several occasions, saw him in Japan, right, when uh, you were sick and uh, didn't get a chance to play against him. What what kind of guy was Clyde Drexler, Gary? Uh, you know, he was a very easygoing guy in one way, but a very driven guy in another, uh, another sense. Uh, he was also a hard worker. All, that was the common denominator with that group. But mm -hmm. he had, the, like Ralph said, he had the natural skills of very few players have had that. I mean, it, it, during that era, he and he and Michael Jordan were the two guys at the, at the guard position. And in 1992, he was a runner-up to, to Michael uh, for the uh, um, MVP that year that he played so well. If you remember this, Ralph, they, they announced 10 uh, pros uh, the year before that were going to be on that 92 dream team. He was not on it. Right. And it was Isaiah Thomas. So uh, that next year he went, he, it was an absolute must that he was going to show the people that he deserved it. And he played so well that he did. They added Christian Leitner as a college player. And he was a member of that dream team that we'll never forget about. Yeah. But, but think about it, Mac, I mean, Clyde's game was already developed in college. Mm -hmm. And Fondy, and I mean, because Houston, Fondy, all the pros went there and played every summer. So his body was developed, his game was developed, because all we did was play basketball every day. Right. So when he got to the league, 
all he had to do was kick in, and then he developed it even more. But his game outside jump shot, his, his ability to dunk the ball, build the rebound, and he did have that, and he still does today, that inner drive that he could push the, on the gas pedal anytime he wanted to at any given moment and kicking in gear. And he's always had that, and that's why he became Clyde the Glide because he was so smooth from dressing to cars to his <laughs> house and the whole deal. He was always going to be smooth, and he still is. I think he still thinks he's that way today. So <laughs> we um, and Kerry, I'm sure because we talk about the history and Ron, uh, the the Ralph Sampson Patrick Ewing matchup. We go to Japan, and uh, Ralph is sick and can't play against Houston at the time, and Fice Lama Jamma and Virginia ends up beating Houston in Japan with no excitement in the arena. The, the, the Asian people there just weren't, they didn't know what to think of, a, of, a, of college basketball at the time, but that's where two of our guards got labeled Smurfs. Drexler was in shock that, uh, that Virginia right. pulled off this upset. And then that was the, you know, four or five days prior to the Chaminade upset. Uh, and uh, which really, you know, rock college basketball at that time. And Kerry, I guess you would remember that, even though you're on opposite sides of the country, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, remember, I remember, but I didn't cover it. But I, sure. I remember that Houston team, Ralph. They they they're another team that should have won a title, right? And they they yeah, they, they, they had a they had a horse. They had, they had five guys that could play in the NBA for sure. I mean, the starting five was 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 very tough. If I remember correctly, they made it the finals twice but lost. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's right. Absolutely. We talk about. Jerome, you know, in, in his career and life and then today's world, I mean, just recently, you know, we, we have a, a quarterback in the NFL walk across the highway and, 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 and get killed. And, and it's kind of strange. You had a couple of those even recently over the last number of years. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but I don't know if it's a mental, a mental thing or whatever. Now, Jerome was mostly health. But when, you know, an athlete or player, you know, passes away at that age early, and 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 Carrie, you wrote the book about it. How how does it did it affect you to make or motivate you to write this book? And you see the the climate today when with the very sad situation with the, the quarterback. I mean, he had everything going for him. He just walks across the interstate, which I've still dumbfounded, don't understand why that happened at that time of night. But obviously something's going on with that. But it's it's a totally different world in athletics and the mindset, I do believe, today. Well, Jerome's death, I'll I'll explain what happened. Uh the amazing thing about Jerome through entire 17 years in the NBA, never had a surgery. I, I cannot believe that as hard as he played. Not, not wow. even a finger. Okay. All right. Wow. <laughs> not even a finger. So, but uh, in his retirement, he began playing a lot of golf and, and he had a knee, a little bit of a knee issue as a meniscus. He said, I'm going to get this taken care of. So he did. Uh, it was just a minor, he was supposed to be out a month and he'd be back. Right, right, right. Bank. I remember that. Uh, you know, so he, about a week later, he was experiencing some pain in his calf. And uh, he went home early that day. Uh, it was his uh, stepdaughter's 16th birthday. They were going out to dinner that night. Uh, went, sat and had a, a beer with his wife. Uh, went upstairs. Uh, a minute later, she heard him yelling for him. She runs upstairs. He collapsed on the floor. The EMTs came in, took him to the emergency room. Uh, an hour later, he was gone. He had a wow. pulmonary embolism. A blood clot traveled from his his uh, calf to his to his blood to his heart and killed him. Wow. Age, age fifty two years old. And I'll tell you, Ralph, mm. the, the re repercussions of that are still. I, I still have people coming to me say, "I'm not over Jerome Percy being. I just can't believe that he's gone." Yeah. And, and I, I guess I guess I would say the same thing. 
to be to be honest about how the book came about, Ron and 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 Hope Curry approached me and said asked asked if I'd be interested in completing Hope's book. And you know, I, I wanted to write my own book, but I used a lot of Hope stuff, and so that's how it came about. Uh, Ron, I think that was very astute for you guys to do that, knowing and being at Longwood when Jerome was there, to to have somebody like Carrie completed, and it was a, that was a natural fit. What a what a great idea! But it was a natural fit, wasn't it? Yeah, and um, we figured out early on that somebody from Portland needed to write the book. Um, uh, we found out real quick that Portland's a very tight-knit community, that the Trailblazers are, I guess, one of the few um, major league-level teams in the Northwest, and they've been there for a long time, have an established uh, you know, brand. Uh, but Kerry knew Jerome, uh, play, you know, he covered him when he was playing in Portland. And it was just a it was just a natural fit, especially with the books he'd already written. But as, as Kerry had mentioned, Hoke had, had started that. And I sort of took the initiative to to get to see it done. Hoke is a friend of mine, mm -hmm. um, still is a mentor to me. And um, that's one of the accomplishments I know Kerry has in writing the book. But I have a, I feel I have a sense of accomplishment as well as seeing it finished, something that my friends started. Uh, that's great stuff. Well, Kerry is, and in Kerry's career, uh, Ralph, he's, you know, he's covered a lot of stuff, Olympic games, four Super Bowls, World Series. I mean, Kerry has done it all and, and has been an out, outstanding writer. And so we think we have a rivalry in the state of Virginia, right? A college rivalry. But apparently this Oregon, Oregon State thing is a lot where I don't know if Kerry's been able to <laughs> Alabama, Auburn, Carolina, Duke. I don't know if you've ever ranked them, Kerry, but so that had to be a fun book to do, huh? The Civil it War. Was. It, it's my it's my favorite book that I've done. Now, I went to Oregon State, so I'm a mm -hmm. beaver, but Got it. this book was split down the middle. I talked to as many ducks as I talked to beavers, I talked to 120 <laughs> people. It's really a history book, Mac, of uh -huh. the, the rivalry that started in 1894. It's one of the longest rivalries in the country. And, right. you know, the quality of teams have been up and down. They haven't been, uh, it's not like Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, uh, uh, Michigan, that type of thing. But it, it is very fierce. They're the, they're the two major universities in the state. And uh, so it was fun to do. I'm sure. A duck and a beaver, man. <laughs> I mean, I don't know which one would win out, but the, the duck may be may lose in that, in that fight, you know, in the, in the wilderness. Well, they have a they have a, a both a, a trophy called the platypus trophy that the winner. Yeah. Gets. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Well, everyone thinks they're in their region that their rivalry is the best, and but that's the great thing about about college athletics. Carry that up to to make a transition with that and all the right everywhere you've been and what you've written. How do you view college athletics and where we're headed? Actually, I've got a website I call carryagers.com that mm -hmm. I'm, I've got a sponsor now. And, and so I'm still writing. Uh, uh, I've got a, quite a few subscribers. So I, I weighed in on this subject just recently. And mm -hmm. I think, I think two things are really hurt. The transfer portal is a terrible thing. It yeah. is a terrible thing. And the NIL, the, the, the uh, name, uh, what is it? Name, name, image, and language. Yeah. There you go. This, this is also a bad thing. The reason, not that I don't think that the, the athletes should get compensated. I think they should. But I think they're well compensated now. They, you get a, a five-year scholarship at a major school. That is worth a quarter of a million or more. Uh, they, there also is a, a monthly stipend that was pushed in in 2015. Great idea. It's not a lot of money. But don't tell me that the college athletes are not getting compensated. They are. Uh, the problem is, is the coaches are making too much money. They need to you know, trim mm. that. So, so all of this is leading to more opportunities to cheat. 
the, the schools with the most money are able to tr- attract these athletes and to, to get them. And now you don't even have to cheat. You can just say, yeah, we're going <laughs> to, Texas says they're going to give 50 grand to all, all of their offensive linemen. Sure. No problem. All I got to do is tweet. All I got to do is tweet something. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I just, I, I think I, I love college sports, Mac, but I, yeah. I'm worried about the future and I'm worried about the smaller schools, maybe like Virginia, certainly like Oregon state, the, now Oregon's on the other other end. They've got Phil Knight and they've got Nike and they've got, already got a conglomerate of, of, of alums that are putting together stuff that are attracting people. Is that what college athletics is about? I don't think so. Yeah, I can hear the passion. I love it, uh, Kerry. Wow. And Ralph is now on the board of Cavalier Futures, which a couple of weeks ago was launched to guide the Virginia athletes through name, image, and likeness. And Ralph actually gets to speak to athletes now where he couldn't before. So, Kerry, I just throw that out because that could be a storyline for you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it, it, it is crazy. Within a 30-day period, they're raising over a million dollars for UV athletes already from that wow. standpoint. But I always say this. NCAA says student, athlete. Student first, athlete second. <laughs> and so if I'm a student, I should be able to get at least work the same hours that a normal student should be able to work during the course of a summer and get minimum wage, right? I mean, that should be equal to student athlete. I know I get a scholarship, but the school makes so much money, so they get the scholarship money back. But I'm not a student, and then most of them don't graduate anyway, so <laughs> I have no degree, and my degree is in nothing that I can tangibly use to, 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 to get out in the real world, get a real job, and make money. You're saying, but you, in five years and going to summer school, you can't get a degree when you're on, on a scholarship? You, you, you can get a degree if you have the right classes and you take enough hours and you take enough credits. Look at the history of how many people graduate within those years and the graduation rates are very low. No matter I don't what. think so. No, I think the graduation rates for student athletes in a five-year period are very high because they're well, going to summer school. And maybe there was a case in your years, Ralph, but right now I think that it's very high. Okay, I, 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 I would say over 80%. And, and, it, and it may very well may need that number, but what are they graduating in to get a job in the real world? Well, they've made connections at, at, at these schools that would hope to be, you'd hope to, that you'd be able to yeah, get a good job. Yeah, you, you would hope so. But I mean, before you couldn't do that because the, the, the businesses couldn't come in and recruit you like a regular student. Now they can with name image and likeness. Before, you, a student athlete could not have Microsoft and the companies come in and recruit that college kid at that point in time during the course of their junior or senior year. After they graduated, maybe they could, but not not like a normal student. Well, but if, there, yeah, if, that, if there's more supervision of how this thing is going, I, I could buy it. But right now, I, I'm, I'm worried about, you know, again, universities cheating. It, it's, the ones that have the most money getting all the athletes, to me, that that's 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 what professionalism is. That's not amateur athletes. No, I mean, you know, they've been cheating for a long time, so... It's just gonna get bigger and bigger. I agree with that. <laughs> well, I'm agree. yeah, Carrie, really good stuff. And and I'm gonna drive people to your website as you were talking about carrieagers.com. And uh again, you've just been so important to the to the field of sports for you know for so many years. Um uh Carrie's a six-time national sports media association's Oregon sports writer of the year. Uh of the eight books, the latest overcoming the odds, how Jerome Kersey blazed the trail from Virginia to the NBA. It was released in September and uh, Carrie, finally, and I want to say thank you, but has the book done well? Yeah, we're in the second printing and uh, still awesome. doing book signings. I've got three or four more in the state. It's, it's winding down now, but hopefully there'll be some, uh, some, uh, you know, length to the, the, the time we get to sell the book. Yeah. 
Good stuff. Ron, thank you. Thank you so much. It was your email. And Ralph, it was Ron listening to the Griff Aldrich interview who prompted Ron to write us and say, hey, you guys need to talk to Kerry Eggers. And so he turned me on to the I appreciate it. Great, great. And and Mac, I just wanted to do a shout out to uh, Wayne Dementi, who was the uh, publisher of the book and was a big, big part of it as well. And um, he certainly works in the uh, the Goochland uh, County area, which to Virginians, you know, right outside of the Richmond area. And Wayne Wayne's done a lot of books as well. Um, uh, and he also has a website where you can you can get the book as well at www.dementibooks.com. Uh, but there are a lot of ways to get it. I know Carrie will sign the book for you if you order it from him. Awesome. Right? So I think that's right. Isn't that Carrie? Yeah, we uh, on CarrieAngers.com we have a book site, and you know, I'll, if they want to get an autograph or or not, we can send it to them. Carrie, thank you. Ron, thank you. Thanks, Mac. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. We'll be back with more of Center Court right after this. A bold new experience is coming to Charlottesville. Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson is opening the American Tap Room. It's an upscale sports bar brought to you by the basketball legend himself. Ralph Sampson's American Tap Room has been built in the spirit of competition with everything from burgers and wings to premium steaks and seafood. The Tap Room also features a special Ralph's House IPA made by the Three Knots Brewing Company. With the grand opening just a couple weeks away, now is your chance to join Ralph's team and get in on the ground floor of the American Tap Room launch. Whether you're traveling for the game and looking for that special pregame meal or meeting that important client, Ralph's American Tap Room is in a terrific location in Barracks Road off of Emmett Street. Discover Hall of Fame greatness. Log on to americantaproom.com. The Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation present Center Court with Ralph Sampson. Uplift, empower, educate. Welcome back, Center Court Winter Circle Network. And uh, really, I'm, I'm just uh, so happy that we were able to talk with Kerry, uh, just a wonderful writer. And Ralph, when you think about really the, the Jerome Kersey story in the book that is out, and you can go to his website, as he said, kerryagers.com. But the fact he wrote about Drexler as well and really got into some, uh, he has, has written eight books and uh, he's just truly one of the great writers of our time. And, and I can't wait to read the Jerome Kersey book. It's got to be good. The way it kind of evolved and how the book came about in the, in the uh, tragic death of Jerome Kersey. Mm. And then having a writer like Carrie write that book, somebody that knows the Portland area really well and knows how, know, knows how Jerome's life, not only, you know, from playing, but off the court as well. The story about, you know, taking food to the homeless yeah, uh, I know after games. I mean, I mean, who would do that? I mean, sometimes right. the people don't even want you to take the food out the arena because it's not hot. <laughs> but I mean, let's let's box it up really nicely and yeah. take it out to homeless people that need it. So he he's that type of guy, and God rest his soul and bless his family. But uh, uh, he's a special guy for sure. Yeah. No. So anyway, we're happy. And uh, again, it's kerryeggers.com and it's e g g e r s is how he spells his last name k e r r y. So kerryeggers. Com if you want to find out about the book and where you can also get the Drexler book. And he also uh, wrote a, a, the Portland Trailblazers, the bad boys of basketball. So anyway, some, uh, some pretty good stuff. We will have the opportunity and now, and we've discussed it a little bit on the show, the fact that you are now working with Kevlar athletes and the Cavs future program. And uh, I haven't written low Davis yet. I'm going to, 
uh, because, you know, we have touched on over the last year and a half, several occasions on name, image, and likeness. Ralph, I don't know how often you meet with the board. I don't know what the demands are from the board right now, or how often you talk to Lowe. Have you gotten a feel for kind of your responsibilities now of being on that board? I'm just on the, I'm not on the board board. I'm on the advisory board. So we, we come in and talk about, we, we meet, we just had a, a meeting past Sunday. So we meet, you know, a couple of times a month, maybe right now to get it uh-huh. started, but it won't, it won't take up much time, but it, you know, like the big machine that got to be put together, Lowe's leading that charge. So a lot of moving parts at this point in time, and a lot of activity, I'm sure, on Lowe's. I mean, Mike, Lowe's hadn't, hadn't even moved into his new office yet. So wow. that's going to happen, involved, and things will start to take place. You know, come football season, there'll be a lot more going on, I'm sure, because sure. there'll be a lot of boosters and people out there to make it happen. But it's going to be fun to watch how this evolves. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and there's, no, there's no blueprint or game plan that you can follow. Yeah. Well, coming up next week, looking forward to Samantha Brunel, a very interesting story. Rutgersville, William Monroe High School, a number one recruit, highly touted, went to Notre Dame. Like a lot of athletes, uh, didn't like her playing time last couple of years, couple injuries, just wasn't comfortable. And she got recruited by the Virginia women's staff. And Sam Brunel is going to be our guest next week to talk about the transfer portal and how she returned home to be a part of the Cavalier women's basketball program. Ralph, it's a good story, don't you think? Oh, it's going to be amazing. I'm looking forward to that for sure. <laughs> so, and she's all over social media. All over. And, all uh, over. That's next week. We appreciate you being part of our program. This is Center Court on the Winter Circle Network with Ralph Sampson. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Our podcast is available on the Believe Network at BLEAV.com. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. For more information, log on to SampsonFamilyFoundation.org. Uplift, empower, educate. Teamwork makes the dream work. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.